0: Live from Melbourne, this is General Ike, Building Jerusalem. This episode is something a little different. Raphael Daskalou received his PhD in History of Judaism from the University of Chicago and as an adjunct research associate at Monash University. His research is focused primarily on medieval Jewish philosophy and biblical interpretation in the Islamic world. Raphael Daskalou gives a weekly lesson on the works of the Jewish philosopher Maimonides known commonly as Rambam. I had the privilege to attend this week's lesson. This week's lesson is Rumbum attempting to square the idea of an incorporeal God with the physical descriptions of God given throughout scripture. It's not everyone's cup of tea, so if philosophical discussion of this sort isn't for you, you might want to wait for next week's episode. If you do want to listen along, I highly recommend digging up a copy of Rumbum's Mishneh Torah, chapter 1. You can find the Seferiah translation online at is.gd buildingjerusalem26. Chag Sameach. May it be a time of joy and liberation for you all.
1: And he brings psukim to prove it. And now we have a problem. Now we have a problem. Okay, God's incorporeal. We've got psukim to prove it. We've proven it uh, philosophically. God is one. God is incorporeal. Now, what's the problem?
0: How does incorporeal react with the physical world?
1: Okay, so that's a philosophical problem. It's not a mechanical problem? mm -hmm. It's not a mechanical problem? Mm, Not not really, because you have being emanating lower rungs of being. Um, So, so it's, in a way, the, um, the non-physical world, to some degree, explains the existence of the physical world. So if you want to... Exp- so that's not so much a problem.
2: Is it not a problem with his absolute um, view on transcendence? Uh,
1: n- I mean, like, no. chain of
2: it's, causality it's, and chain of li- uh, Any kind of linkage from the transcendent to the immanent. Is not a problem for him?
1: Not really. There, there is a, a chasm between that initial step of emanation... And what follows, meaning the divine at its highest rank is definitely, you know, inconceivable to a degree that the lower ranks of intellects are not as inconceivable, but the um, but that's not the problem here. The problem here is the same problem that motivated the writing of the guide, the guide of the perplexed. You
3: mean anthropomorphic expression.
1: Yeah. So what's what is the problem? Uh, the motivated part of according, according to the terminology of h- how he describes this this perplexity is that the word perplexity I think it is mm-hmm. um, the the way he describes it is that you're torn between philosophy and scripture. So okay, we've demonstrated this incorporeal God. What do I do with this? You know, like expressions like "yarfazakha" yeah, and, and we have, for example, strong hand. For example. Outstretched arm, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Uh, but there are other things. There's the image of God. Human beings are created in the image of God. There's uh, also... All
2: the contradictions that are following.
1: The, North you North. want some crazy full-on anthropomorphic imagery. The mm-hmm. warrior of Ha'azinu is like. The warrior God of Ha'azinu is like. With blood-drenched arrows. And, you know, that—that mm-hmm. that is really powerful anthropomorphic language. There's also what's called anthropopathy. There's there's human feeling. So God gets angry, right? God gets happy. God gets angry. So these are, uh, this is really described God as happy, actually, now that I think about it. Chazal do but I don't know if the Bible does. That's interesting anyway. Um, or God rejoices. God Ooh, definitely... Loving, re- and re- g-
0: hmm? loving and hating. Yeah,
1: God loves and hates. So... Anthropomorphism and anthropopathy are a problem for the Ramban. and that is the problem he's now going to tackle. He's now set up this incorporeal God, this one, this you know, and uh, and he's brought Sukkim to prove it, so he's anchored that in scripture, in Torah, in the authority of script of Mikra, and now uh, we've got a problem. So I'll show you, just to, just to get an idea, I'll pass around one in Hebrew and one in English. Um, will I pass around the English? No, I won't. Um, just look here. I've got it open to chapter 18 and 19. It's pretty random. But here you've got definitions. Even if your Hebrew is not fantastic, you'll be able to see in this edition, this is a translation from the Arabic by Michal Schwartz, who is a lecturer at um, Tel Aviv University, is that right? And he produced this wonderful modern Hebrew translation of the guide, annotated translation of the guide. Um, and you can see chapter 18, 19, they're both open. They've got words in bold. They are verbal roots in Hebrew. And he's and this is the bum giving you the tools of philosophical interpretation of Torah. Okay, so he's going to say when the, when the Torah talks about... God doing X or y. God when the Torah talks about divine actions or attributes or feelings um, or, or body parts, thi- this is the Torah, this is prophetic language which is in its very nature metaphorical, right? So it has to speak that way for people to be able to relate to it in any way whatsoever, but it but it gives you the tools, if you read it very closely, to read it metaphorically. And and so basically the first section of the guide is what is sometimes referred to as the lexicographic section. It's like a dictionary. It's like a dictionary of, um, of philosophical interpretation of the Torah. And it looks in a way like the biblical dictionaries that were just like philological dictionaries. They were just Hebrew dictionaries. So you have like Ibn Janah, he's like the great at least the great rabbinite, not Karaite, lexicographer. So this is a guy in like the... When is he? 10th or 11th century. I think he's 11th century. And he writes a dictionary of biblical Hebrew in Arabic. And he's got the the, the verbal root and then he's got an entry. He's got the next verbal root and he's got the entry. This was actually quite revolutionary because the idea of the three letter verbal root in Hebrew was only discovered in the previous generation. Like basically there was a linguist in the previous generation, like a little bit older, Yudach Hayuj, who basically discovered the triliteral root, the three letter roots in Hebrew. The exactly, the Shoresh. And the, and Ibn Janah taking his principle, cause he wrote grammatical books, but he never wrote a dictionary. Ibn Janah writes, writes a dictionary. Now you open the guide and the first part of the guide looks like a dictionary mm-hmm. like this. It gives you a root and it, explains, you know, verbal root explains and uh, in Arabic, explanation in Arabic, which is the same as Ibn Shanach. So it sort of looks a little bit like a familiar dictionary, but it's teaching you how to read the Torah philosophically, how to read Mikra philosophically, how to read the Bible philosophically. Um, Now, I want to give you an example of this, which, which, uh, or Shall we start with the Halachot and then I'll give you an example from the guide? Oh. No, I'm already talking about it. I'm already talking about it. I'll give you an example from the guide and then we'll look at the Halachot. So, for example, in Tehillim Samechet, Posuk Hay, so sixty-eight 68.5. Uh, it says, extol him who rides the clouds. Solu ba'aravot. This is a nice example because there's somebody else who is called Rochev Ba'aravot. We now know. The Rambam didn't know, but we now know. Baal is called Rochev Ba'aravot. Um, there's, uh, or he's actually called Rekib. We don't have the vowels. There's probably Rocheb or Rekib. Arapet. So but that's the same as Aravot, right? So he rides the storm clouds. So Baal rides the storm clouds Surps the storm clouds and that is how the divine Yudke Vavke is described here in Tehillim or Elo- Elohim maybe. So in any case the Israelite God is described here and in fact even describes Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, these are very mythical descriptions. God is riding storm clouds. Um, and this is not the philosophical world of the Rambam, right? Not at all. So, so to write, Rahab, he says, this world, this word is equi- equivocal. called Ism um, Mushtarik or Shem Mishutaf. So that it's uh, it has a range of meanings. It means, mu- it has multiple meanings within the single term, the first, Instance in which it is used means man's riding in the usual manner on beasts. He was riding upon his she ass, etc. Okay. Afterwards, it is used figuratively to designate domination over a thing, for a rider dominates and rules that which he rides. I've not said this already, but I'm curious to see how he actually probably uses mudabir. I think would be would be um, rules. Or maybe it would be something else, anyway. Um, I'm not going to look it up. But the point is, he then explains this verse in exactly that way. He says, the rider of the heavens is helping you, uh, the interpretation, so that's from Sefer Devarim, Rochev Shamayim Ba'ezrecha, uh, the interpretation of which is, he who dominates the heavens. Similarly, the rider in the Aravot, Rochev Ba'Aravot, Meaning he who dominates the highest heaven encompassing the universe. So again, we have this idea of the outermost sphere, which is rotated, right? And, um, so here the Rambam is interpreting this sort of ancient Canaanite image as within the con within his medieval Aristotelian cosmology, Aristotelian Ptolemaic cosmology. And, um, and maintaining the, abs- his abstract theology. What it means is, this is the intellect which propels Sort of the, the greatest observable celestial motion. So this is, um, so this is how he resulted in the guide But of course the guide is written in, uh, you know, philosophical language Um, and uh, it's not, ac- it's not accessible and it's also in, in the wrong language for wide distribution um how does he put it here when he has to sort of put things succinctly and and confront them so so I'll read in Hebrew maybe somebody can take it in English Yeah mm-hmm. uh, Imken So this is Perek Aleph Halachot Imken Mahu shesheh marbuta vetachat raglav ketuvim Elohim יד השם, עיני השם, אוזני השם וכיוצא בדברים הללו, הכל לפי דעתן של לבנה אדם הוא, של בני אדם הוא, שאינן מכירים אלא הגופות, ודיברה תורה שון בני אדם, והכל כינויין כמו שנאמר, אם שנותי ברק הרבי, וכי חרב יש לו, ובחרב הוא הורג, Ela Mashal veha kol Mashal. Okay. okay. Somebody have English there? If so, wherefore it is written in the Torah and there was under his feet, written with the finger of God, the hand of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, the ears of the Lord and more like expressions. All such terminology is in accordance with
0: the conception of sons of men. Who cannot recognize all the corporeal
1: things. And the words of the Torah is like human speech. But they're all attributes. For example, it is said, if I went what's a- attributes is a okay. funny translation. Yeah. yeah. Because it's yeah. a kinui isn't exactly no. a, it's more like um Yeah, I guess in a way attributes is literally not incorrect. It's like something that's attributed to to somebody but it's it's almost um meta a isn't a character. No, no. It's like it's in in modern Hebrew you might say something like a nickname almost. In Hebrew you would say nickname. Sorry? In Hebrew you would say say nickname. Oh yeah. The, um, but it's, it's, um, like an appellation or something, some, some, a name that you call something by, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, necessarily real. Like I might call, um, like, a, a anyway. Okay. Let's read on. Let's read on. If I, what's, what's wet, W-H-E-T? Uh, to sharpen. To uh, If I wet my glittering sword, so, so, heffy, had he a sword, or doth he slay with a sword? But it is a metaphor, so it's all metaphorical. Mm. There's testimony there to one prophet said that I haven't I, read on past that point. I haven't read on past that point. I actually have a paragraph division here mm. um, based on sort of manuscripts, but um, but in the printed edition, it does it the alahatet well, does continue. So, mm. um, but let's uh, let's yes. stop there for a second. So. So firstly, he's asserted that all of this is metaphorical, Um, but he hasn't actually argued for it. He's about to argue for it, right? Re'ayala davar, right? Re'ayala davar there. He's about to bring evidence for it. Um, But the, but he's appealed to a rabbinic, he's using a rabbinic expression here. Dibbera Torah kelshon ben adam. Dibbera Torah kelshon ben adam is used in classical rabbinic literature. It's used uh, in, in the in the Mechilta. It's used in uh, the Talmud in, um, and the que- the quest. So in that original context, it means something else entirely. Okay, Dibra Torah Ben Adam. In its original context, means um, uh, that something is idiomatic speech, and the Torah uses idiomatic speech, and therefore those idiom those idiomatic um, features of speech shouldn't be interpreted as particularly significant. So an example, of the, one of the most common examples of that is the doubling of the, the doubling of a verb with the infinitive absolute. So, I mean, I don't, it's technical terminology, but you'll recognize this from the shmah. V'haya im shamo'a tishma'u al Shamo'a tishma'u, right? And so do you darshan that? Do you interpret that? Do you say, ah, there's an e- there's something extra here? There's something it repeats, right? And um, so some rabbin- classical rabbinic exegetes will actually interpret those sorts of things, expound upon them, derive meanings from them, and sometimes come to even legal conclusions based on them, right? Um, the approach of Rabbi Shmael in the sort of Tanaitic generations is not to interpret those. And the, that position is described as The Torah uses human idiom. So, okay, it uses this form because that's how you say stuff in ancient Hebrew, right? I mean, you don't need to come up with additional meanings as a result of that. In the medieval period, it shifts. This expression starts to be used to mean, well, it talks about God's hand, but God doesn't really have a hand. Dibra Torah and that's u- it's used that way, I believe, by Sadia Gaon. It's used that way by, um, it's quoted in Sadia's gen- generation by al I think, or maybe even early Al-Kumisi, but by Karaites, quite early Karaites, as something that the rabbis say, something that the camp that they're against say, but I believe it's quoted approvingly. And from then on, everyone's using it. Everyone's using it. So the Rambam is appealing to an expression which is commonly used in by by this point, commonly used to say, hey, the Torah uses metaphorical speech about God. That's what it does. So this is a pretty standard... Um, th- this is something which is definitely in his armoury. This is stuff that he's got available to him um, to resolve the problem.
2: Does Ramban claim, or is he going to try and claim, the basis... For rejecting anthropomorphisms is derived from within the Torah itself. He has. Or does he I know he does, but is he solely? I mean, would he be having would he be asking this line of questioning if he didn't have a philosophical background? Or is he claiming no, I need to know nothing about Greek philosophy? I would be worried about anthropomorphisms purely by reading Qumish.
1: So he, there are two questions there, right? One is what he would say. And I believe what he has said already, Mm. I think that's already there, Mm. um, and what, and what he would, what a person would actually, what conclusions a person would actually come to, right? I think, so a way of illustrating this is that the Rumbum says that somebody who believes in corporeality and divine corporeality is just absolutely terrible and is, uh, I think he says he's, Bichlal Haminim, or maybe Bichlal of De'Kochavimu Mazarot, something like this. Basic, basically, a heretic or an idolater. And there's a famous gloss of the rivet of uh, of uh, Rabbanu Avraham ben David, um, who wrote glosses. was a Provençal, a rabbi from Provence, like a scholar from Provence, who wrote glosses on the Mishneh Torah, and he writes. Bigger and better people than, than this guy have, uh, have believed this and, uh, you know, basically you, you shouldn't have said this, right? Um, and there's an argument that's been made that he didn't necessarily disagree with the rumbum but he disagreed with him saying that somebody who thinks this is out of the camp. That's what was problematic. So the, uh, so definitely this was a guy who was not coming from, you know, really within the... Arabic Aristotelian tradition, and he hears the Rambam saying this, and he thinks that's very out. Not that the position is outlandish, but it's certainly only one of several possible positions, and, he, and there are people who believe in divine corporeality. I mean, the Rambam himself refers to people who believe in d- divine corporeal, corporeality. So there are people who believe in an embodied God from their readings of Tanakh and Chazal and the rabbis, right? And especially in Judaism. Yeah, but, I mean, Judaism, I'm talking about Judaism as a literary corpus, so reading reading rabbinic and biblical literature, right? I don't think ju- Judaism exists, you know, outside of these texts and people living it. So people are reading these texts. It's so text
0: normative now And <clears throat> last few centuries to believe in God's incorporeality that we can't conceive that yeah. at people stage it trouble. wasn't that's so, so,
2: so yeah. normative. The, the fit
1: To me, I'm like Rambam. Yeah, it feels yeah. to me like a Yeah. So you, 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 you think that? You think that, yeah. you think that because of the Rambam. You oh. think that because of the Rambam. Because the Rambam won. Right. And so, oh, okay. Oh. And so it is now a given. Mm. It is now a given that you have to think <sighs> this. Not only the Rambam. He's not the first one to think like this. I mean, th- there are others that have similar positions in the mainly coming out of the philosophical tradition. But it was not. Given a dominant like the Dominant position in Jewish Thought until the Rambam Came along and in some way He won I think he won in a very Very watered down way so People sort of think of God as not But not a body like This but God Exists somewhere maybe in a parallel Universe maybe you Know um spatially, um, and responds to stuff and feels stuff might be upset by things. Like, I mean, people think, people don't think really in a Maimonidean way completely, but in terms of incorporeality, like it is unthinkable now in most, in most Jewish Mm contexts, if you said God has a body, let's just meditate on the vast dimensions of God's finger. Like you'd be like. What? What is that? And yet, that's what some classical Jewish thought does. You've got a a work called comma which the Rambam dismissed as, like, basically a non-Jewish work or a heretical work.
2: It's like ten thousand parsecs big, and
1: yeah, it describes the vast sizes of God's body parts, and um, and this is a classical Jewish text, and it circulated, people studied it, and it describes the vast size of God's body, so. There are texts that describe this, there are certainly people who believed it, um, from reading this and from reading uh, rabbinic and questionably rabbinic Jewish texts, certainly. And so, even if the Rambam says it's Pshat in Mikra and I would come to this position anyway, I mean, the Rambam is coming, whether we like it or not, he's coming out of both traditions, right? It's Coming it out of a tradition for, and, for and, and I a it doesn't seem to be deriving
0: this from this yeah. tradition He just question. knows that, and so he's now trying to resolve the contradictions. Yes, mm. yes. So, yeah. so in, in a way, he and in a just way, obviously, or through his own thinking.
1: Already in the Rumbum's time, it's already in the Rumbum. This isn't the thing that he has to defend the most, the most vigorously. He does defend it pretty vigorously. He's more concerned with. Satisfactorily explaining scriptural language, then he is proving incorporeality. Mm. But um, but there are there are earlier author, earlier authorities. There are earlier. Mm, what was I thinking about? Think about something else. Ah, oh, now I've lost it. Anyway, doesn't matter. Oh, I've I won't keep it. you too long. In this yeah.
2: moment, just so just to make it clear. Oh, it's not clear to me that he's saying it, sorry, this, I, this is all about a truer reading of the Torah. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's saying I know this from my from my rational learnings yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. of philosophy, and I'm now going to help clarify the mess that the way we're misinterpreting Torah. Yes. Which is a so, very problematic thing.
1: So so now what, what I was trying to remember responds directly to that. Sadhya on writes, and he's and he, he is drawing in this particular um, on this particular point. He's drawing on, um, a stream of, uh, of Islamic theology called al mutazila <coughs> And they, um, and they basically were to, you know, a kind of rationalist theological school. And they said, uh, when there is a clash, a clear clash between scripture and reason, you have to employ... Allegorical interpretation mm. to explain scripture. That that points you towards the necessity of metaphorical reading. And the and uh, Sadhya Gaon adopts that explicitly. Um, and and he, he says that. He says, when there's there are two sources of truth. <coughs> there's there's scripture and there's reason. And when they clash clearly, you have to employ ta'wil, uh, allegorical interpretation. And the Rambam uses that terminology as well. Um and um, so, that, that is in a way, in the Rumbum's context, not seen as that problematic, in a way. It's sort of a given that you're going to do that. The question is how far you take that. And, um, and he's not enamoured of those theological schools. He sort of sees that they're using philosophy or philosophical tools to get to whatever conclusions they want to. And he says, no, you've just got to, you've got to let reason go where it goes.
2: So are there roots of that line of thinking in, say, times? Could you go back and say, yeah, they were thinking like that, even then, that rationality has an independent veracity.
1: That they weren't talking about rationality at all. They weren't talking about the intellect Mm. in that That way. That is philosophical discourse. The rabbis don't do that. They do other things. They're profound thinkers and, and I don't want to be, like, I'm, I'm not at all dismissive and the, the older I get, the less dismissive I become of non-philosophic, the profundity of non-philosophical discourse. Like, it, this sort of, it's not coming out of that um, Greco-Arabic philosophical context, Greco-Roman or Greco-Arabic, depending on the period and place and whatever, um, but, um, but they don't think like that, they don't talk like that, not at all. Not at all. Um, so, so let's let's go so, on. Just, just, oh, sorry, yes, so Mark. Right.
0: Right. Well, is there any evidence that the the of the Mishnah, etc.,
1: understood God being corporeal? There are statements about about. They don't talk about is God embodied or is God, God no, not but embodied? But he's you God, could
0: but, infer from some of their comments, and so.
1: There are rabbinic there are rabbinic um, statements about uh, earthquakes being. Being or thunder being caused by um, divine tears, there are descriptions of um,
0: the right. We don't. all They, they could well be metaphor.
1: Some of them can could be. Some of them look more like etiological myths, like myths explaining the origin of something. Some some of them are less mm. obviously metaphorical or less obviously talking about, let's say, divine mourning for the destruct- destruction of the temple. But some of them seem. To refer to an embodied God. Some of them clearly don't. Some of them clearly don't. Some of them, um, you know, when when they talk about the whole world being filled with the Shekhinah, everywhere is just saturated with Shri- Shekhinah. That's in that's in Sikta the Rav Kahana. That's maybe they're thinking in some kind in terms of some kind of sub like substance or so something, the substance substance or something? Did, but they don't really unpack it but they're no? definitely not thinking about a person shaped like this So or if so they the say would that be the divine is the, the place of the world
0: metaphorical as
1: well. well the rambam can use those sorts of sources very nicely mm. he can use them very well mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in a way in a way that particular one i'm not sure if he ever cites and it's a bit of a problem for the Rambam, maybe, potentially, but I'm not sure. I, I actually have no idea if he ever cites that. But for example, the idea of the divine being the place of the world, the world not being the place of the divine, that's very useful and that's, very, that's relatively abstract. Or the relation of the, the, of the divine to the world as being similar to that of the soul to the body. They say that, you know, and they, they say in five things there's a parallel. That it's, uh, it perceives, but it's not perceived. Um, it animates the whole body, but it, but it's. I can't remember exactly the whole, the whole thing, but there were five points. That's relatively abstract, you know. Um, but so there are definitely there are definitely statements that you could catch on to, and the rum bum is eager to catch on to them, um, generally in the guide. Um, but um, but that depends what you're looking for. And the rabbis definitely think Mm. in a more sophisticated way. They're not thinking of like a guy with a white beard sitting up on a cloud. Although they talk about a guy with a white beard. (laughs) So it's an interesting, anyway, it's a tension. But yeah, so let's, let's go on. Let's read the, the rest. So now he's, he's made an assertion. He's going to bring evidence. He's asserted that this is metaphorical and he's bringing evidence. ראייה לדבר זה שנביא אחד אומר שראה הקדוש ברוך הוא והקדוש ברוך הוא לבושה כתלג חיבר ואחר הוא חמוץ בגדים מבוצרה ומושה רבנו עצמו ראה הוא על הים כגיבור עושה מלחמה ובסיני כש, כשליח ציבור עטוף לומר שאין לו דמות וצורה אלא הכל במראה הנבואה ובמחזה. Vami El Hakol be mareha nevua uvamahaze Vamitata davar eenda atoshel adam yehola lehasigo ul hokro Veseu she amara katuv hacheker eloah timza im ad tahlit shadai timza. Okay, let's read really that
2: yes, testimony.
1: Where do we go? Testimony, yeah, testimony to this or so evidence. Testimony there too,
2: one prophet says that he saw the Holy One. <coughs> Blessed is he. His raiment was as white as snow. And another saw him with crimsoned garments from Bosra. Moses, our master himself, saw him at the Red Sea as a hero engaged in battle and upon Sinai as a garbed minister of a congregation to say he hath neither form nor image, but all is a vision of prophecy and a mirage. The absolute truth of the matter no human mind comprehends or is able to fathom it or penetrate it. It is even this what it says in Scripture. Canst thou find out the deep things of God? Canst thou attain unto the purposes of the Almighty?
1: So basically the, the, the multiplicity of divine manifestations, this, this broad range of experiences of the divine shows that none of them are actually referring to the divine essence. are. There's actually a, um, a, uh, a very interesting midrashic precedent for this. Um, I believe it's Anuchia Shemelokecha. I think, if I'm not wrong, that it's in Psikta of Kahana. Um, oh, no, it's in the Mechilta, but it might also, anyway, there might be a parallel. I'm... But it talks about um, it says that that you saw you saw me on the sea like this and you saw me, you know, Daniel saw me like this and and uh, you see me as a as a warrior and as this and as this and as this. Anochi um, anochia or maybe it's Anihu. Anyway, I can't remember the verse, but anyway, there's a rabbinic there's a rabbinic um, interpretation that um that is quite similar to this. It says, I am the same in all of these appearances. So, what does that mean? So, the rumb—that doesn't necessarily mean what the Rambam means, the but, but Hav- it le- le- you're not, you're not, you're not. well, exactly. So, so that's mirror, that's developed in Anim exactly. So, yeah. half of Anim makes that
3: point,
1: exactly to counteract the other half, which is full of images, exactly, exactly, exactly. So, um, which is obviously not the Rambam that's coming out of Ashkenaz, but it's mm. but it's um. Uh, a good example of that kind of thinking, that like the multiplicity points to a unity of some sort. Um, What exactly that means, you know, isn't necessarily clear, but it lends itself to the Rambam's reading here, which is none of them really capture the divine essence. The divine essence is not like any of these things. Um, And uh, so now we have an interesting question. הוא, מה מהו זה שבקש משה רבנו להשיג כשאמר הנינא את כבודך בקש לדא אמיתת הימצאו של הכהוש ורוחו עד שיהיה ידוע בליבו כמו ידיעת אחד מן האנשים שראה פנו ונחקק צורתו בקירבו שנמצא אותו האיש נפרד בדעתו משאר האנשים i have a paragraph break here but i'll read to the end והודיעו ברוך הוא מה שלא ידע אדם לפניו ולא ידע לאחר <coughs> עד שהשיג מעמיתה תימצאו דבר שנפרד הקב' ברוך הוא בדעתו משאר הנמצאים כמו שיפרד, שיפרד אחד מן האנשים שראה אחוריו והשיג כל גופו ומלבושו בדעתו משאר האנשים ועל דבר זה רמז הכתוב ואמר וראית את Ufanai So let's, let's read 10 in English.
2: What was it then that Moses, our master, sought to attain when he said, Show me, I pray thee, thy glory? He desired to know the truth of the existence of the Holy One, blessed be <coughs> with a thorough knowledge within his heart, even as he would know a certain person whose countenance he saw and whose likeness was imprinted upon his heart, so that he could find him in his mind's vision, separated from other persons. Even so did Moses our Master seek to establish the existence of the Holy One, blessed is he, separated within his heart from other beings, until he would know the truth of his existence as it is. And he, blessed is he, answered him, that it is not within the intellectual power of the living man, who is a composite being of body and soul, to reach the pure truth of this matter. But he, blessed is he, imparted to him that which no man before him did, nor no man after him shall know. For he fathomed the subject of the true existence of the Holy One, blessed is he, even so that he became separated in his mind's vision from other beings. As, for instance, could separate in his mind a certain person whose back and body and clothes he saw from bodies of other persons, and concerning this matter, the passage points, saying, And thou shalt see my back, but my face shall not be seen.
1: So we have two things here. So I have a paragraph break, which separates the sort of thing. So the first is, what did Moshe Rabbeinu want? And then in the end, what did he get? You wanted a
3: proof. You know,
1: right? He mm? wanted a proof. You wanted... Not just a proof, not uh, to, to see something. So that's no, mm. not necessarily That might be more than a proof ah. mm. Let me read you a few words from the guide. This is guide 146 We've mentioned in one of the chapters of this treatise that there is an immense difference between guidance leading to a knowledge of the existence of a thing and an investigation of the true reality of the essence and substance of that thing. Meaning, meaning the ability to directly perceive something, right? So, and he gives the parable here of the ruler of a king. Oh, sorry, the the ruler of a certain region of the earth. Um, And he says, one of the ways that you can be, you, that you can have your, your attention drawn to the existence of the ruler, uh, is in your saying that the ruler is a tall individual who is white in colour and grey haired, you'd make him known through his accident. So that's not, that's not um, a direct encounter with the essence of a being, right? Um, or, you could say, here's the one whom you see surrounded by a great company of people who are riding or on foot uh, Etc. So you can basically you can point to um, the effects or surround the um, consequences of this person's rule. The effects can point to accidents that that follow from this 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 individual's existence. But that is not the same as direct perception. So what, what page you on? No no sorry this is in this is in the guide. Yeah yeah I am oh, talking about, yeah. Oh on, on in yeah, the in the Pinus edition? Well this is the free land edition. No so it's chapter 46 it's chapter 46 146. The beginning of chapter 46 146. Yeah. So direct knowledge of the divine according to the Rambam is not possible. And the and um, the even once one has, tra- once one has transcended the various barriers of bodily desires, of the limitations of your current knowledge and, ex- and experience and observation and, and, um, uh, rational thinking and demonstrations or all, all of this stuff, you still have a problem because you're embodied. We will always have the problem of being embodied until you die. And when you die, you might achieve, uh, some kind of. Lasting union with at least with something which we describe as divine Which is the lowest intellect which which governs the Sublunar realm, so I mean this is like an intellect which emanates from an intellect which emanates from an intellect which emanates from an intellect. but the direct perception of the divine You're never gonna have that um, So that's that's paragraph number two that he's saying it's impossible the divine has said to him. It's impossible. So what is possible though, having some indication of the difference between this being and all other being, right? So that's not direct perception, but that is, um, that leaves you with a sense of the transcendence, of the majesty the difference, um, the strangeness of this being, right, of this mode of existence. I even saying being is unsatisfactory, of this mode of existence, right? And you attain that by, according to the Rambab in the guide, I don't think it's so clearly stated here, but he says something else, which we'll get to. But, um, but what's stated in the guide is that you come to that by going through this lifelong process of basically investigating the cosmos and peeling back layer after layer of what you thought was the divine, but isn't the divine. Mm. And it's, um, and, uh, later, so in the Bum, it's just, it's a beautiful idea, but it's, it's very, very abstract. Uh, but in the, you know, really abstract by really by definition, by, Every time you grasp something, the divine has to be greater than that. And so you keep on it's like reaching a, like for
2: it. basically, in a simple way.
1: Hmm? In, like in what, what way?
2: When he broke the idols, he said, well, it was the moon. No, but the moon goes and the sun. So for the Rambam, the, that becomes very back.
1: important. Maybe I'll even go to. Professor he brings he, he talks about that directly. I won't go it now. Maybe we'll learn it another time. Yeah. The um, you know. the, so but, the, yeah. but it's but the, for for the rambab that's very important, and even even so that's a midrashic account. Um, but even from the humush, the idea of founding a religious community, what they call in Arabic a millah, uh, a religion, but really a religious community around this idea of this god. Um, for the Rambam, is very important. And so he takes this expression of um, uh, B'Shem Hashem El Olam, that he understands to be this Abrahamic expression, that the God of the world, or eternal God, but he seems to understand as the God of the world, belief in that particular conception of the divine, very peculiar to Abraham. And he's a model for coming philosophically to that conclusion by going through that process. And that was the first breakthrough. The next really big breakthrough is Moshe Rabbeinu um, presenting a law, a divinely inspired law. And that is, that's something else. Um, And um, so that's taking it to a completely different level. Um, so anyway, but the um, also he, he will talk about uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's l- sort of level of Nivul conception of the divine being much higher than than anybody else. It's this sort of miraculous level of intellectual apprehension. Um, but uh, but yes, Avram Avinu is definitely that account of Avram Avinu is very
3: important for the Rambam. So this is probably way too simplistic and from not knowing enough, but. Moses from the Torah was always looking at a number of places for sort of proof, which is what Rambam says you have to have before you can begin. So in that way, it's quite interesting that Rambam comes back to Moses, the one person who said, no, I need proof as opposed to I know. Um, What are you talking about need for proof?
1: Can you give an example? So
3: Moses needs the burning bush. To 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 see that God exists, Moses on Hasinai says exactly this, Moses with, I suppose the tapping the rock, the, the hitting the rock is different, but like that's a good example of Moses from what I understand, sort of. Demanding or requiring proof before he goes on and says, all right, you're telling me this and you want me to be a mouthpiece to the people.
1: Mm. With with the burning bush, I'm not sure that it's a question of proof of the existence of God. I don't think that, I don't think there's any, I don't think the question even arises anywhere. I think, I think that it's, that's a given, but he certainly needs to be very forcefully convinced to go, to, 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 um, to perform um, this pretty daunting task, right? Um, and, and it is true that, I guess, I guess it's true that he asks, he asks for things. Like, I mean, this is, this is an example. And it, there could be a model to the some degree.
2: could be God's face.
1: Yeah, and he's told that he can't. He, so he's given a glimpse of his back.
2: He's asking, he's asking to see a corporeal mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. He's asking
0: to see a corporate.
2: Court. Well, that's You're what it looks
1: window. like. That's what it looks like. The Rambam is telling you right here, like this is this is why he takes this example. He says, why? Now, if I was reading now as an academic and I'm reading I might translate that show me your glory, meaning your fiery body, your fiery, radiant, you know, body, this miraculous body that you have. That's the kavod is this, you know, um, this radiant sort of shining rainbow body, but it can, but it's dangerous. It can consume you, right? Yeah. And uh, God says, "Sorry, you'll die, right? You can't you can't look directly at that body. Yeah. You'll die. My my radiant flaming body is gonna kill you if you look. But I'll give you a glimpse of my back. So." On a certain level, even if you understand that in corporeal terms, the idea of having a glimpse of the back of the divine, it's a very powerful idea and it contains more than just, you know, just crude corporeal thinking. There's something really profound in that. But when you try to unpack it discursively, it's very hard to do. Now, but so I'll, I'll just say that if I'm reading the passage, in that way, then yeah, that's how it looks. Now the Rambam can see that, right? The Rambam, he's not working with his ancient Near Eastern background. He hasn't pulled apart the strands of Torah, you know, and looked at the different ways that different passages conceive of the divine with this idea, with this assumption of historical development and, and an ancient Near Eastern context and in that kind of way. Although he does think historically. But but he's not working with those tools, but he can see that it looks very much like Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. Show me you. Show me. me." And that apparently looks like he wants to look at God. God's saying, you can't look at me, but I'll show you my back. Can't see my face. I'll show you my back. That's a problem. Even in the... You don't need all the academic stuff to see the problem here. But the Rambam is specifically responding to, to that. He's specifically saying... I'm gonna give you the tools to deal with this and at least know that it's not talking about that. Here, in this context, he can't go through many, 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 many passages doing this, but he can pick out a couple of really problematic ones and sort of give you a glimpse of how you should be reading Torah and leave you with that. And hopefully you'll go further. The advanced course he'll give in the guide, yes the use of
0: bacon face it's also incorporeal what, what, in what terms is, of
1: time and that sort of thing
0: no but said back what is it what is God's back means mm. no? so you can look me in the back you can't look me in the face it's also there's some contradiction because you talk again with shot now yeah
1: well, but i i don't understand what you're saying at, at the shot at the level of Pshat, mm. right it looks like can't look at my face, you'll be burnt to death or whatever. But let me give you a glimpse of just my back. That's less powerful, that's less confronting, that somehow you can take that, okay? That, that looks corporeal. The Rambam has asserted and tried to demonstrate that that's not, that that's metaphorical language. So where's, where's the problem? What's the problem there? So you, you, you continue to say this,
0: the word back and front are really... But,
1: yeah, Mashal. Um, in, in the guide he'll use language taken from Arabic logic, from Al-Farabi's logical terminology. Um, and he'll talk about, I mentioned already, Ism um, Mushtarik, it's an equivalent term that has sort of, uh, it's used for different for different uh, conceptions, for different concepts. And, uh, and there's also Isti'ara, which is metaphor proper, where you, take an expression from one context and apply it to a new context um, and um, so that so he'll use this language which is borrowed from uh, Arabic logic it's probably more precise in a way than what he's doing here um, but uh, but he's doing he's doing the same thing um, so let's move on let's move on let's move on. Velhevanchenit parer, she eno guf ye erao, velo e Lo hibur, velo perud, velo macom, velo midar, velo alia, velo yeridal, velo yamin, velo small, velo panim, velo ahor, velo velo amida, matsui basman, By the way, I just want to say something about the term ad. Bizman hmm? basman here i've got buzman but it doesn't but uh, it doesn't really make a difference but ad the way he's using ad when he says ad shayda amitatim it means so that it doesn't mean until it doesn't mean until it means so that it's it he's thinking in arabic he's thinking the word hatta which means both until and so that so he's using ad for both um so uh, uh Venomatsui bizman, I'll read it like you have. Ad she lo reshit so that he would have a beginning. Reshit davare, Ah, ve enlo lo mavet velo velo shena, Velo Hakiza, Velo Kaas, Velo Sehok, Velo Simha, Velo Atzvut, Velo sh'tika, Velo Dibur, Kedibur Adam, Bechah Amru ha'chamim, Enle Mala, Lo Yeshiva, Velo Amida, Lo Oref, Velo Ipui. Let's read English. Alaha <coughs> Yudalef, and we'll, yeah, read the whole Since
2: it is clear that he is incorporeal. It clearly follows that none of the corporeal changes happen to him. No joining and no separation, no place and no measure, no ascent and no descent, no right and no left, and no face and no back, no sitting and no standing, neither is his being dependent on time to attribute him either a beginning or end, a number of years, nor is he undergoing any change as there is naught to cause him any change is neither subject to death nor to life, similar to the life of a living body.
1: Nor to, to, to life similar to the
2: living body. To him cannot be attributed either folly or wisdom, similar to the wisdom of a wise man. No sleep and no awakening, no anger and no laughter, no joy and no sadness, no silence and no speech, similar to human speech. And likewise have the stages declared, above there is neither sitting down nor standing up, no, backward,
1: forward, forward. <laughs> <laughs> no speech similar to the speech of human beings. No. Yeah. Then how does he speak to human beings then? A so, i I'm to read the guide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what's Nevoa? What's prophecy? Yeah. If it's not a divine being that makes yeah. a decision in time to talk to this, this being. Right, which is, I think, how most of us are familiar with it, right? That's the familiar, familiar thing is God chooses an individual and speaks to them. So how does it work? So for the Rambam, there's a whole theory, you know, and he's, again, he's not coming out of this from nowhere. This this is coming out of the Arabic Aristotelian tradition or the Arabic Peripatetic tradition. Um, So it's got, it's a bit more, it's a bit more, what's the word, a bit more eclectic than just Aristotelian. But it's coming out of the thought of Al-Farabi and Ibn Sina, specifically er- earlier Islamic philosophers, and they had this idea that prophecy is a, is a sort of a high degree of Intellection, you understand, you understand rationally how things are, how, how things are, perhaps how things ought to be, and then you describe that using your imagination, which is a very problematic thing. Your imagination takes images from your From your experience and combines them and separates them and plays around with them and Your imagination when you're trying to reach Divine when you're trying when you're trying to reach intellectual um, When you're trying to grasp a concept rationally, your imagination is a danger to you It's a danger to you once you've grasped that idea rationally, the um, the imagination helps you to formulate that in a way that people will understand. So the imagination is, on the one hand, very dangerous. On the other hand, on the other hand, it's essential to prophecy. It's essential. Uh, it's the greatest danger to intellectual development. Once you've dealt with like emotional instability and stuff like that. Um, it's the greatest It's the greatest sort of in kind of uh, mental danger But it's also absolutely indispensable to communicate anything So the way that he understands prophecy is that There's a, a world of conceptions You reach true conceptions uh, Possibly things that follow from them in terms of That might be normative So in terms of law or something like that or possibly it's just descriptive, and you and you then formulate that in a way that people can understand using your imagination, and that is as close to divine speech as you get.
0: So how does he say that the actual <laughs> communication from the divine takes place?
1: Okay. It's just always there. There's just a, an intellectual realm and a physical world, and you can infer things and you can you speculate. You, tr- you tune into it. It never. It's not like words just come out and. Um, could this could you say this is like same thing as like communicating music or art or just um, other sort of higher than intellectual? The the so he wouldn't he would argue that they are dovka lower than intellectual and he he th- this is this is the Rambam, and this is in in his particular intellectual tradition. Mm. Um, they might have therapeutic, um, um, therapeutic benefits and that sort of thing. So. Music, um, visual beauty, um, that sort of thing. If you're me- if you're melancholic, say <clears throat> so you're you're depressed, you should be around beautiful things. You would hear beautiful music, but um, but that's just to sort of get you in the right mood so that you can think. You know that's for the rum bum. That that's yeah. how it is, and it doesn't mean that there isn't. It's not all discursive because you get to a certain point where you okay. I've acquired a certain amount of You know a certain degree of understanding of the world I can see I can sort of Perceive beyond this world. I can sort of perceive as if there's Something beyond this veneer there's something that um, That governs this right? Um, in a very like in an abstract way not in a way it's like oh, do this do that but like in a way that like There's a wisdom Inherent in the cosmos that somehow transcends the cosmos itself And so I sit and I contemplate that that's called the that's contemplation that can be done with contemplation of the cosmos or contemplation of the Torah and um, and through that contemplation You you try to perceive what's beyond and that's an expression of, of desire, of erotic desire for the divine. Aishk is erotic desire. They translate that into Hebrew as and, cheshek. Um, and somehow you grasp something of it and the apex of that is actually rapturous death when you shed the body. Sweet. Um, and, um, and that's described in, in Guide 51 and it, the theme continues a bit through, through the end of the guide, Guide 354. So, um, so that's, that is a level of contemplation which transcends the discursive, but it's not, um, but it's not the imaginative. It's not the creative in the way that we think about it. There were people who granted a bit more of an important place to the poetic, the artistic, that sort of thing. There were people who did. In the intellectual school. Mm? In the intellectual school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but not the one mm. Um, so, um, so let's read on. <laughs> By the way, is this, does this already seem kind of alien? Does this seem like, if you're thinking about God in this way, like, what do you, what do you, like, do, is this familiar to you? Like, is this, is this kind of way of talking about God familiar to you? Can I, can I ask you? Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, generally. I mean, okay. It's more rigorous, but...
1: More rigorous. Okay, so it takes things that we've been taught more yeah, and the just theory. takes them a bit further yeah, or fleshes I mean, them yeah. out a bit more but or something not like really that.
0: it's contrary to all the imagery you could have seen
1: in art or anywhere. It's also contrary to the imagery in the Torah. in the Torah as well. Yeah. But we're sort of already taught God doesn't have a body, but then we read Torah and we don't really know what to do with it. So we go... Oh, mm. Mm, is that well, right? Particularly, yeah, right particularly
0: right when Moshe is talking to God and wants to see him. No, I'll right. my back. So mm-hmm. that's, an, that's, that's a strong any, example, right? It doesn't get any closer than that, really. Yeah. I mean, the rest of it you can say, oh, it's an outstretched arm, or that can be a metaphor really easily. Sort
1: of or thing. even the image of God. It sort of lends itself to metaphor, right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of lends itself to metaphor. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... it's um, I feel like I was a Snippet of this, like incorporeality <coughs> and then you're not given much further. But this really sort of fleshes it out. So, it seems it, like this is a but that's of God. that's as a result we were taught that as a result of of this, no, not the other way around. I mean, he's yeah, sorry. And
2: it seems like his conception of God he's working for is so refined that you can almost take God away and the system would still
1: work. So that's very interesting. So. I'm not. I'm not sure that you. Almost. almost. It depends. It depends what you mean by the system. Um, mm. This 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 notion of concentric
2: rings of, of enlightenment and increasing intellectual purity that you're working towards, mm-hmm. and if you and the the stimulating forces of this this unknowable God, but you must take it away and you'd still have that pro- that. Ascending process would still be... Would still be somehow, function, com- somehow compelling and would yeah. function,
1: yeah. And also if you take into account the... The um, the fact that he's seeing... He sees the mitzvot as having utility. They really have utility. Um, social utility, individual utility in terms of um, individual refinement and this sort of thing. Um, but, but there's a danger in that because he... he for some people... This is taking away God, right? Mm. This, if God is not the God that I imagine who responds and cares on an individual level and then what is God? And and the Rambam says that in the guide. He says, you've got to be very careful talking to people about this because it's it's a lot easier to demolish incorrect notions than it is to develop a refined and correct notion. And so, um, for some people, he says, this won't be tanzir. this won't be exaltation of God. It won't be the assertion of the transcendence of God. It will be ta'atil, which means stripping. It will be emptying God of, the en, emptying the concept of God of any content. It will just be rendering it meaningless. And so you have to go through this process of gradual stripping away of your conception so that you're left with a, with a robust abstraction, not an empty abstraction, you know? Um, so uh, let's just read the last halacha here, and then we finish the uh, the berak. Vehu il vehadavar kahu kol hadvarim halalu vechaiyotzei b'hen sheneemru b'atora uvedivrei neviim ha kol mashal umlitzahen ke mochneemaru yosef b'shamaim yisach k'iasuni b'havlehem kaasher sas Hashem vechaiyotzei bahen. A la hamim di There we go again. So that's that's anthropopathy. That's human emotion, human feelings homer asher yesodam. Aval yit'ale Let's have it in English. 12.
2: Now, since the matter is so, all such and other similar expressions in the Torah, and in the words of the prophets, are merely proverbial and figurative. For example, it is said, He that sitteth in heaven laugheth. They have provoked me with their vanities, as the Lord rejoiced. concerning all these the wise men said the words of the Torah is like human speech it is moreover said do they provoke me where it has been said for I the Lord change not if he could sometimes be angry and sometimes mirthful he would be subject to changes indeed such and all kindred attributes are not present in any save in darkened lowly bodies inhabitants of houses of clay Whose origin is of dust but he blessed is he in blessings is exalted above all this he blessed, is
1: he, <laughs> blessed is he <laughs> in blessings is it it says, right. blessed is he in blessings is that how
2: blessed is he in blessings is but he blessed is he in blessings his comma is exalted above all this <laughs>
1: that's a peculiar that's a peculiar translation but anyway it doesn't really matter. <laughs> he is he. and exalted above such blessed is he. blessed is he. I blessed is he. He he. I blessed is this He this the I of him I is Proof of his demonstration of divine uh, incorporeality and unity. And, um, and then he moves on in the next chapter to a new theme, which is he'll discuss um, loving and, and being in awe of God. It's interesting in um, elsewhere, he, he discusses fear of God as a sort of um, an almost childish thing, fear of punishment. But here he talks about fear of God in, more in terms of awe, and to attain love and fear of God, um, one needs to contemplate the cosmos. And so the next couple, the next couple of chapters, or basically the next three chapters, uh, an overview of philosophical, um, cosmology and of, and of, um, so physics, metaphysics, that sort of thing, so that you can contemplate the world and come to love and fear of the divine. So that's part of this idea of... of here, he's not going to give as many sort of... Uh, he's not going to give you so much demonstration, but the, but the idea is um, that this serves uh, the purpose. He's giving you a tool for performing a mitzvah, which is contemplation of the cosmos. That's why he's going to describe all this stuff. So it's a very interesting um, sort of a move. And again, in a, in a legal code, a very, odd, a very odd thing to do. So I, I just want to return to one, to one question, one point, and it
3: might provoke um, a question or two, but... I'm just, so sort of thinking about this as a whole now, I'm very comfortable from a scientific basis with everything that's there, but I think about prayer and I feel very sort of... Like it's ripped out. Like you want yeah. to have something that answers you, or that hears you, or that, and that seems really ripped away from you. I suppose that sort of it took me a second thinking about what you said before. Yeah. Um, yes. To really get to that point, but you really need the awe and love afterwards, because
1: yeah. Moves but you even the place. awe and love doesn't doesn't give you an answer to that. Because awe and love is okay. I can feel feel awe and love, but still, why am I addressing? Why am I talking to a being that is just not where there's there isn't this two-way communication? I, I'm actually not like what what am I talking to? And it's a diff- that's a difficult thing from a monodean perspective. That is a difficult thing, and actually, prayer is. Um, here, he'll sort of really make the case for prayer, and uh, one, he'll give you a sort of a history of the development of, of prayer in the rabbinic tradition, and then he'll he'll give you all the laws of prayer and that sort of thing, and he'll tell you that prayer is, is you know, the, the service of the divine, right? It says, so it's in the first part of the next paragraph. What's the avoda? What's the service of the heart? The rabbis will say Zot That's davening. That's prayer. Um, the Rambam will say that here in the Mishneh Torah. But in the guide, he'll say it's al- it's al, al- It's the intellectual worship, and that is contemplation of the cosmos. It's not. It's not a prayer. And he places it in a different... He Basically, for him, prayer is like a positive step in between sacrifice and intellectual contemplation, historically. It's situated in between. It takes you one step away from the world of how do we serve the divine? We shake the animals. That's what we do. We, we cook pancakes, you know. Um, and uh, and we're, we're aiming to get to silent contemplation of the cosmos um, and in between you go via prayer and it's it's not it's not very satisfactory um, and uh, and you should know that it's not um, the rum bum is is one of many 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 voices so I, I hope it doesn't take it a, I hope that this doesn't damage your doity on a personal level because I mean there are plenty of people that will give you different tools for thinking about prayer and that sort of thing. And also for thinking about the divine, you know, for, for the Rambam, although the, the, div- it's not like the divine is far away because the divine isn't anywhere, right? The divine isn't in space. The divine is the anchor for all being right. But still there's a chasm between this and the divine, between us and the divine, between the whole created world and the divine. Certainly within the created world, there's a big gap between the world of the intellects and um, the world of heavenly matter and then the sublunar world of passing, these, this passing world of things. They call it fasad, <laughs> the, world, the world of, of um, generation and corruption. Things come together, they're generated and then they decay. They, they decay into their component parts. And that's, that's this world, that's the world below the moon. And so for the bum, it's all just, um, there's just a chasm between those things. And we have the ability, unique below the moon, we have the ability to grasp intellectual matters. We have that ability. That's amazing. In the sublunar world, there's nothing like that. There's, n- there's nothing like us, like the human being in that way. And that's why we're them. Okay, That's how we explain it in guide 1-1. That's the image of God. Um, for the Kabbalists, it's totally different, right? So Ramoshe Cordovero, of the Ramak puts it beautifully. He says, the Zohar describes Gan Eden of, or, um, of trees and fruits and this sort of thing. And it doesn't seem to be talking about after death. It seems that... Those who are blessed with true vision can see that here on earth, within is Ganedon. The divine in here is in everything, right? Every single appearance of things to you is a disclosure of the divine in some way. In some way. Not of there is a divine that is beyond conception. But there's also this sort of robust life of the divine that we do have access to. And prayer interacts with that divine. And we can actually, in our lives, affect the function of that, of that, you know, world of being, the divine world. Oh. So, that's a totally different way of thinking about it. Oh. It's a totally different way of thinking about it. The second that, that also has very deep roots in rabbinic thought. Um, and it's, and it's a, it's a totally different way of thinking about it. That then puts the divine inside time. Oh, only parts of the divine. Because <laughs> the divine has parts. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I know oh, it's all one, but it has parts. But it doesn't have parts. It's all one, but it has parts. Oh. Doesn't, you know, it's very, it's okay. very. It's it's but it's, but it's a totally, it's a, it's a very different language of talking about it. And you bring that into conversation with this, and you're like, "Whoa!" They, I mean, they're like really, in some ways, they're arguing with with each other. In some ways, Kabbalistic discourse wasn't as developed and robust. Along comes the Rambam, and boom, it busts out everything it's got, and it just becomes really creative in response to the Rambam, in rejection of the Rambam. Um, sometimes it integrates elements, but but it's also pushing against the Rambam. Um, Mark, I'm sorry to to um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, those, those of us who were here last year when we were learning Tomer mm-hmm. you can say that the, the and the line, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that um, sometimes Andrew, yeah. uh, that the, um, the, we were learning Cordovero, the Ramak, yeah. And that's a totally different conception of divine. Mm. Totally different. What do you think is more beautiful? Oh, probably Cordovero is more, you know, richer imagery yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Yeah. and Dovka the Rambam doesn't want to go there he wants to take no. that imagery away from him. he very, wants you to very
2: uh, dry, very much more cerebral yes. in that sense
1: mm-hmm. um, but nice. anyway but but I love the Rambam I love them both sometimes you need one, sometimes you need the other <laughs> uh, the Rambam would really not, not like that <laughs> but anyway um, anyway, Shkoiach no. Any other questions? Any other thoughts?
3: No. You were about to give us a thought. What? The? I don't
1: know. I, a... I don't. Know, I can't remember. I can never remember things. Whatever.
2: Where is the cat? Mm? Where is
1: the cat? The cat. The cat is, is in the uh, in her food and drink room. Oh. She's here. She's restrained. She's in a room. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Mm, no. Ah. <laughs> let's not go there she's in a room <laughs> she's in a room um, yeah anyway thank you very much thank you and shukoyach and uh, uh, yes and on next Monday yes and on next Monday Inshallah
0: Thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike building Jerusalem.